We're back to the Neil Haley Show on the ProVision Brokerage Celebrity Segment. I'm excited to welcome the program, Eric Couch. Eric, how are you? And you know what? The reason I brought this guest back on the show, Eric, is because of your post on Facebook. And that post made me laugh because I have a kinship with this guest. We're, we, we're friends on Facebook, which is kind of funny when you say before friends on Facebook meant something. And uh, we really hit it off in a couple of interviews. And I said, you know what, Eric, I got to get you, get her on your, on your segment. So Eric, tell us a little bit about that post on Facebook that led, led to this. Well, you know, it was the, it, it was some meme about, you know, this COVID-19 and everybody trying to collect on the, the, the EIDL of, you know, we thought it was going to be 10 grand and then it ends up being 1000 per employee. And then it ends up, it's supposed to be there within like 48 hours and three and a half weeks later, nobody's heard a word, uh, kind of like the, you know, the stimulus. So it's just kind of became this joke, right? And next thing I know, there's the famous meme of the kid from Better Off Dead where he's asking for his $2. Um, and somebody turned that, I want my $2 into, you know, a stimulus meme or about the, you know, $10,000 check. And I was dying because it just, you know, and shared and it just starts going viral. Um, but yeah, that's what started it. And it happens to be one of my all time, like all time favorite movies. I've probably watched it a hundred times. Uh, I quote it regularly. Um, so, and then Neil, you saw it and said, wait a second. I'll just pick up my, I pick up the phone and, yeah. uh, and I emailed yeah. her. I, I messaged her on Facebook and it took a little time, Diane, cause I'm sure you don't check your messages on Facebook like you used to. Right. Yes. Yes. Bonjour, everyone. It's Diane. Yes. Go ahead. So Eric. So yes. Go ahead and Eric. Go ahead and introduce her. Is is, I think people know who it is. Yes. So so today we have America's heartthrob, known as the foreign exchange student, the French foreign exchange student, um, Monique, also known as Diane Franklin, and we are going to have a delightful conversation merci for having me on this show <laughs> for those of you who don't know i really do not have a french accent but uh yes uh, <laughs> i don't want to blow it for people if they think i talk like this so <laughs> that's right that's right oh yes so um i mean i'll just put it out on the table right now i've had a crush most of my life on you. Oh, oh um, my gosh. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I, that is so sweet. And I think most guys have, you know, oh, they, well, you know, whether it's French foreign exchange student or whether it's, um, you know, the twin in the, um, Oh, what is that Bill called? And the, the Bill and Ted's where you've got the, the chain, the, uh, you know, throw them in the iron maiden scene, but <laughs> yes, Bill and Ted's excellent adventures. Yes. Um, the, you know, uh, first of all, I just want to say um, thank you so much for having me on the show again. Um, I love your show and I oh. love, you know, what you guys talk about. And uh, and also I wanted to say, like, I didn't even know that about the two dollar stimulus thing. So to me, that is that's totally excellent. <laughs> oh, it's so I fitting and so funny. So it is. So it's hilarious. And I mean, you know, it's so wonderful that you know, films can come back again and like be like kind of a inside joke. 
Um, but mm-hmm. boy, that is, you're right. That is, I would even use that. Like, yeah, where's my $2, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Such and that's one of those idea. lines that just comes up over and over. And oh over yeah, it does. Is, where's my $2? It just pops up. But it was, it was so fitting just recently. Well, I'm so thrilled because first of all, I love the character of Monique. I mean, I just love playing her. Um, I think she's an amazing role model for women. And I think she's adorable as a character. I think like, I just was happy that, I could play an actual girl who's capable, but she could also be feminine. And I think that that is really, when you say you have a crush on me, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad. Like, I mean, honestly, like, I think I'm closest to that character out of all the things I've played. So it's a real compliment. Thank you. Um, And um, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but I'm actually right now during the pandemic have been working on the ultimate uh, Better Off Dead book. Whoa. So I've been getting interviews from all the, you know, from Savage Steve and um, I have one out to Curtis and Amanda and uh, I haven't approached John yet. I'm going to see if he'll do something, but who knows? You know, um, I know he, that wasn't his favorite film for his career, but uh, that's OK. I'm still I still think that his character was so timeless oh, yeah. and so endearing and oh, it um, is. spoke, you know, it spoke to every guy like being the guy who's like. You know, things just don't happen the way you think they're going to happen. And look at us today. I mean, it's just like oh, yeah. you got to <laughs> have belief and, you know, in faith and what you want to do. And I don't know. Anyway, so I'm very excited hey. because I, I, it's kind of timely that you said that. You know, it's interesting. I can't believe John thinks that because here, think about this, Diane, and I'll let Eric get his next question. You think about uh, one of the best 80s shows out there today, the Goldbergs, they do a lot of spins from your movie. Really? And that's, oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, they did with the with the uh, with um, different things. Yeah, so. Oh wow. I, yeah, yeah. So it's it's kind of surprising, in, in so many ways, how this you know you know continues to live forever in these movies for sure. Yeah, and that it's it's translatable even today, and that it brings a smile to people's faces. Like, I mean, that's the reason why I I'm such a fan of the film because when you watch the film, how you feel about at the end is you feel good. And yeah. uh, I think it, I mean, it's, you tell me, I mean, it's great to hear that you guys being still a fan of it. And um, it makes me like, you know, just smile and kind of like, this is great. Like that's what we need in the world right now for sure. Well, and you've got so much, I mean, from, from jello going across the table mm, to, yeah. you know, <laughs> The little brother that's picking up chicks and and building, uh, you know, building the rocket ship, to uh, oh. you know, one of my, what you know, there's there's so many. Of course, there's asking, the I want my two dollars quotes. Everybody, everybody's asking Beth out, which is just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm a person, the only person probably who hasn't asked Beth out. You know, like I mean, it's like exactly. everybody's. <laughs> or Ricky, I guess I don't know if Ricky ever asked Rick. Beth out, but Ricky, um, right, right, Ricky's mom. <laughs> you know oh, uh, she's so funny and uh but then there's but then there's you know curtis armstrong who's one of my all-time favorites either booger from you know revenge of the nerds and you know where he's in there and he's like this is was it some about this is like pure snow yeah. you know and he's trying to sniff it um and he gets a brain freeze so uh, and, then, and then of course you know skiing and and you're the what's funny you know so he's trying to ski the was it the K one or K twelve yeah the K twelve and then trying to trying to go after Beth but then realizing that you're really the the 
the real heartthrob that that he's looking for and then you're yeah. like oh it's easy you know and you're just, <laughs> it's like you forget <laughs> where i'm from really fast if something gets exactly <laughs> exactly there's just so many different yeah. things and i have no idea how eric remembers all this diane because i i again i don't and i but i remember it when he brings it up because of too many yeah. chair shots to the head as a pro wrestler so i understand specifically enough like certain memories just you know they they disappear in certain ways, but then I remember. And I'm like, oh, that. But that yes, goes back. Yeah. But but again, I just remember just the fact of just the whole process of Better Off Dead. But one of the interesting things is the title, because Diane really didn't speak to anything with uh, the possible considering being depressed, considering suicide, things that were discussed but not really discussed compared to today, where it's yes. very well it's discussed too much and kids utilize yeah. it too much in so many ways. It's just, you a, know, um, uh, by the way, the title, I didn't even know this came from an Elton John song. Oh, well, really? isn't that crazy? That's where they got, that's where Savage got the title. Better off dead. He loved the, I guess the song Elton John had played or something like that. So that's kind of bizarre too. I mean, it was, um, and you know, the studio thought, I think about the title, um, with good reason, because, you know, it's not an upbeat title. It's sort of, you know, what what's going on here, you know. Um, but it is um, – it's just one of those things, I think, that, that makes the movie more interesting. You know, you watch it and you go, oh, wait, this is not what I thought it was going to be, you know. Yeah, exactly. All right, Eric. See, what I like about Eric, he has these questions he comes up with thousands of them he asks for questions from me sometimes saying hey, neil any ideas and i'm like eric you could ask any question and be phenomenal he's too much he has to understand you ask great questions eric so what's the next question go for it <laughs> you can do it so, so <laughs> thank you just ask very very fast and turn if yeah something goes away <laughs> so what was like being in the movie with that cast what was what was the dynamic like? What were some of the things that you took away that were just like, I still laugh when I think about that? Oh, all right. So I had never, up until that point, done um, I I guess I'd ne I'd never done a comedy up until that point. I mean, Last American Virgin was a teenage comedy, but my storyline was more serious. So I had actually never done a comedy and. When I did that film, it was so funny to be on a set where the, the director tried to keep things light and was also like into the actors contributing funny things. Um, like we, I would just see sort of magic happen. Like for instance, one of the first shots we did was when um, Ricky comes into the room and he snorts nasal spray, and <laughs> that yeah. was not in the script. It was just like he comes in and. He snorted nasal spray. We all died because, you know, it was like so that awkward. moment where, the you know, you as a as an audience member watch it and there's silence. But to watch it and then there's silence on the set, everyone is holding back the laugh. <laughs> Truly, like yeah. Shaking. You're seeing everybody like holding in a laugh and like their bodies are shaking. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And it's just so. And also that like the first time I saw that shot happened when I saw, you know, Mrs. Smith, um, which was Laura Waterbury walk in in that outfit. Oh my God. Like just, it was such a great moment because the way the director set it up is we never saw each other until it kind of all happened. Oh, and we were wow. like, Whoa, mm -hmm. 
well, look at Ricky's outfit and like, whoa, his glasses. And he's not, he's just snorting nose spray and just staring at me, dying, just dying. So um, it was a great experience to shoot it because um, there was no anticipation of what was going to happen. And I, as an actress, like I had the sense, like I knew my job, my role and stuff. But as a person, I really enjoyed working with everyone. I mean, it was yeah. it was just one of those magical film moments where what the audience sees it is what the is the fun they're having is the fun we were having, which is mm-hmm. I think a rare thing. Yeah. You know? No, I. And I think it's rare, like to be on a set and shooting something, and you are literally trying to not cry laugh, like you're just trying <laughs> not to break, um, but just saying you know so focused uh, and. Um, the other thing I wanted to say was that John Cusack, when we were shooting it, we had a blast. Right. He was yeah. awesome. Uh, he did not have – I think I really worked with John at a very golden time, and I was very lucky. And so it, we did have a blast. He was having fun, and he was he would meet us after shooting, and we would all hang out and talk. And um, it was it was really wonderful. So, yeah, you, what you're seeing in that film is actually true – uh, and it went with the cast and the crew and the director and the producers. We all um, had a great time shooting it. It's not the same thing. Listening to you talk about that, the com- camaraderie and everything. What yeah. did you learn as an actress working on this set? Um, what I learned was, I have to say, like, what I learned was that my ideas as a person as an actress matter. So like I took my chances uh, improvising more in that uh, film, which I normally would not have done at the time. Acting was like, it's funny, like today improv is so important to performing. You have to really know how to improv in order to do anything in the business. Cause it's always like, you know, something new is going to be thrown at you. Um, so it's a skill and it's a, you have to be ready for it. Um, but at that time in acting, you needed to follow the script, follow the lines to the T because it was about timing. Um, as far as like, you know, they were timing a shot. So they needed to know it. They had to get it done in a certain amount of time. Um, and it was also, um, it was just professional not to mess with what was given to you. So I think on that film was the break where I learned to say, okay, you know what you Matt, what you think, what you want to come up with will be included or like, or could be included. Uh, so as an example, when John brings me into the uh, restaurant to go on the date, I suggested they were just going to walk me in. And I'm like, that is such a waste of a shot. You don't just walk someone in why you, that's something you cut. There's no reason why, but they want to establish the restaurant. So I said, well, let's have, you know, you guys, you know, blindfold me and then lie, you know, bring me into the, to the restaurant because that'll make it at least more interesting. And that's something that, you know, John probably would do, you know, as a character. So he'd want to surprise me. Yeah. So, um, Play the saxophone. Yeah. Like the saxophone. Okay. That was, and, and, you know, there was stuff that was actually shot that wasn't in the film, but there were other scenes that were supposed to be in the film about John playing the saxophone, but they had to cut for time. So, um, it's just, it was just a, a very free set. And then also like things like I got to see other actors do, you know, their improv, which was like, you know, um, Danny, uh, you know, Ricky jumping after the balloon, 
you know, and, um, <laughs> you know, like that was just yeah. this moment, like that balloon was Yeah, gone, that was that funny was it, scene you know? though. Great shot. Um, like it was, it was such an animator's dream because stuff was going on in the background while the story was moving in the for- foreground. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and it was another scene. Um, oh well, the whole Curtis thing. I mean, I didn't know that that um, Ricky was going to be, you know, trying to eat the Jello from a straw, and then Curtis was going to snort it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was crying. One of my most favorite moments acting with those guys was that it was almost yeah. battling to who's going to make Diane laugh. So, right, it was brilliant. It was really and Curtis. Really everything is drugs. Like the whole movie, oh. that's his whole journey. Yes. <laughs> he's <Yeah>. looking for <laughs> something. He's yeah. looking for no, something because he's a, you know, he's a high school. I mean, it's like that's not that far drug. off, yeah. right? He's, he's the high school druggie. Um, and he's so innocent. His look is so innocent that it's yeah. so lovely because you look at him and go you know you kind of wish he'd find something because it's like yeah i know you're looking but exactly. it's not going to be in this in mm-hmm. the whipped cream or i don't know it's just you know oh wow so, so, jello, you know that you know, floats he's... off the table it it there could be something in that we're not sure what's right. going on there <laughs> um my sister my sister actually mentioned that quote maybe a week ago about really? jello mold going off the table i mean it's oh. it's stuff comes up regularly um, oh my goodness! All right, next There's next so question, many. Eric, because I I love this back and forth, and I, I'm just enjoying listening to Diane talk about how awesome this film is, and she'll have to tell you know just kind of bringing it all back in in so many ways is so great. I hope that the audience members, you know, if you haven't seen it, definitely see it. It is oh, yeah. so worth it. And if you have seen it, you know, pass it on to someone else who hasn't, you know, because again, our films are only as, you know, alive as you, you know, give it to the next generation. So yeah, it's important to pass it on. Well, well we still and have it's one of those too. timeless movies where it's yeah, just, I, I it's light that. and it's it. airy and it's fun. It makes you laugh. Yeah. Well, um, we need those laughing movies and now. And, yeah, but yeah, we, comedy is just all kind of there. Eric, we need and it's those. It's a great um, yeah, Christmas movie too. Like it's nice oh, about yeah. winter. It's oh, a yeah. nice winter movie because of the skiing. Um, and then during the pandemic, it's been actually very uplifting for a lot of people. And I, yeah. I think it's also a, a it's a romance. You know, it is. So it's good Valentine's Day too. It just it just brought in all those things, and it's it's also wildly quotable. I mean, one of my one oh, of the quotes yes. that I've said my whole life. And my, I even got my mom saying it, which is funny, but you know, in my, in my house, my mom would, my mom would even make the quote of once he, once he like actually does fall off when he's planning to like jump off the bridge and instead he falls in the dump truck, the trash truck. (laughs) And the guys are like, it's a shame folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy. Yeah. And, uh, right. You know. <laughs> that was like such a brilliant line. I mean, the actor. I want to find the actor who said that. That's one of the yeah. things I want to do for my book. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So, was, so speaking of the book, so book. when is the book mm. going to be finished? Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that I'm going to get everything before the end of the year, before Christmas. You know, because I think it would be nice for people to get it. Um, but there's a lot of research like it's just a lot of you know and i have to get interviews back from people so um but i'm looking towards that that's when my date is awesome we'll, we'll have to have keep, the, well, everyone should just stay in contact with me on facebook and uh, believe me when it comes out i'll be like oh my gosh it's coming out so all right yeah so guess what i'm looking out my window of my office right now and i see snow in may 
talk about the strangest Do it's you, flurries. I heard about this. It's flurries. Flurries out in the East Coast. Eric, this is ridiculous, but I just wanted to bring that up in the during a pandemic. I guess I guess that God is letting us have certain weather so we do we practice social distancing in the Northeast because they don't want I couldn't believe well, it. I'm looking at I'm looking at that right now. I never thought of that ever in May. But again, we're supposed this to. This is like historical. It is. It truly is. It's crazy. Unbelievable. And we're having a, a like a heat wave. And then there are like killer bees or killer hornets. What is it? Attack hornets? Exactly. Murder hornets. Murder right? hornets. Now, yes. I mean, not that they're like all over the place, but, you know, it is kind of pestilence. Like what's happening, right? And we're just talking to Diane Franklin about one movie. And Eric, you have that one question because we are close to running out of time. Having you guys talk, we need to have. Uh, part two, part three, and we will definitely have that. Trust me, because I got, especially, yeah, especially when we got for, a book. Yeah, we got a book. We'll, oh, we'll look, yeah, look to do you. that. Yay. Yeah. So Eric, what question did you want to say for Diane? Because I can't believe I don't want you to miss this question. Okay. Well, so one thing I, I like to ask uh, everybody, but, but, you know, people who've made an impact that, that we would consider a celebrity, right? And, and that's you. Um, oh gosh. You know, anybody that's a, that's a heartthrob over, over, you know, multiple decades where we go back to watch the movie and we're like, wow. Um, right. But so, so my question would be, you know, in, in your life and, and maybe even, you know, you could narrow it down to this movie or something, but who's been some of the influences, who's been some of the influencers in your life, but then also what would you like to be, you know, what, what do you want to be remembered for? Oh, you know, and then those are such good questions. Um, so, all right. So first of all, the idea of being a celebrity and even be like iconic, like those words, I never, oh my gosh, never, ever thought they would be used for me. Um, but when I realized, you know, when I was writing my books that I have, I have Diane Franklin books on online. Um, if you're, if anyone's interested in my, how I became an actress, how I became an act starring in movies, um, I started to realize that the films that I was in really impacted American society, really did. Like, um, and I think that is in, in such a positive way. And it made me really happy because that is what you want, you know, your influence to be. It's just a positive, I mean, at least for me, I wanted to pass on good energy and positive thoughts. That's what I'd like to leave the world with uh, in some way. Um, not that I'm leaving, but whatever. You know, with this pandemic, yeah. you never know. If this is the last conversation. Um, but um, in terms of, um, so my influences when I was little were the first influence I had was Marlo Thomas from That Girl. Um, it was a TV series. And the reason why is because I was a TV kid, you know, watching TV. And she was the, yeah. one of the only dark haired, pretty, um, nice, uh, funny actresses that was on television. Everything, you know, it was all blonde, blue eyes. And uh, to me, I identified with her because of her look and then her personality. She was so upbeat. And I found myself um, connected with that energy. Like I was similar to her in that way. And then she wanted to be an actress on the show. So there were a lot of things that influenced me. And I was a really avid fan of hers for years. Um, just I followed anything she did. And just I thought she was a great female role model for me. Um, and then, of course, my crush was Chevy Chase. So that's a whole other yeah. story. <laughs> I like the, that that was my my uh, high school teen crush. Um, and then uh, 
as I got older, my influences really were uh, Meryl Streep and, and Robert De Niro. And it's interesting because I wound up meeting Robert De Niro later personally. Um, but Meryl Streep, I have to say, I think was more of an influence just because obviously she's a female actress, but it was her dialect in Sophie's Choice. And that was such an important part of my um, I don't know, it just, it connected with me. So mm-hmm. in a, in a flash, I gravitated towards dialects and, um, and I also liked her softness. Um, it wasn't that she was the only actress, but obviously there was definitely, she was powerful and she's just a wonderful role model for other actresses. You know, that was really the, the key. Um, and her softness and her, um, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. uh, her vulnerability, you know, that's a really important part of acting. Um, so now, and I, I teach acting now. So to me, when I'm passing on information, I am talking about the same things that I got from other actors, passing on good energy, passing on, um, you know, work on, allow your vulnerability. There's a lot to talk about. And that could be a whole other session we talk about. Exactly. But, um, if you're talking about what, how I want to be remembered, that's such a good thought because I'm really, I'm, I'm, I really, it's a very interesting thing because I have to say better off dead would be the one that I would like to be remembered for the most because of the character and the role modeling. Um, and I love Monique. I mean, I just love that character. So I'd have to say that's the answer, but I would also say that I see why people loved me in the last American Virgin. Cause that would be more, my more dramatic, you know, um, role. And yeah. it really is, it gets to you and that movie doesn't leave. And I think that it's, um, I do. There's parts of me I really love that film, um, and then but then and then Bill and Ted's. You know, Bill and Ted's is what a wonderful film for kids, and I think that's going to stay in the American. Um, I think that's going to be like Americana filmmaking. It's going to stay with a society, and the jargon's going to stay. And uh, so Bill and Ted's, I think, you know, I'm just proud to be in it, and that. I'm part of that lineage, I guess, or I don't know what you would call it. The, the history. Excellent. Yeah. So totally. Um, and it's so American, like, uh, you know, that's like America in the eighties. And now we're going to have Bill and Ted's coming out again this summer. So it'll be on to the next generation. So I'm very happy to be part of that as well. Um, that's like to me influence for the next generation. But if you have to say something, gosh, I don't know, I guess it's, I guess it's better off dead. I just hope that people remember okay. me from that film All because right. it is, it's closest to who I am and my sense of humor. It's, it's like the closest to, to me. So there you go. I think yeah. that's the answer. Zit is the answer of Monique. All right. Best, uh, po- best, <laughs> best place we can connect with you and learn more about you, Diane. Where can we go? Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah, I was going to say, what do you think I should be remembered for? But uh, and that's... I'll say if we had a hard stop, I'd say, I would say better off dead. And Eric, I, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I would because it just it it enwraps so many good emotions. What yeah. you know, young love and high school and friendship, and it's just a movie that that leaves you happy and you're just laughing and giddy. Uh, and there's so many scenes that reflect that from the little bitty things that you mentioned in it. Um, and it's just it's one of those feel good things. Uh, I'm so glad to be a part of. I'm so glad that you said that, and um, you know. Uh, I think that's why this book is really important for me because I go, Oh, I get to just really like, you know, just let myself go and be really, you know, so complimentary of the people in it, but also like just enjoy the fact that I got a role that was, you know, you don't often act in a part that you, in a movie that you would want to see. Does that make sense? (laughs) 
Well, and in today's so, in today's exactly. society where there's where there's so much negative, there's so much fear around this pandemic. It's yeah. nice to be able to go and just watch something that is just like, this is just fun, right? Fun. I just I just need some light. I need some joy. I need some hope. I need some yeah. fun. And fun. it's and that's it's it. movies like this and and movies specifically this that you know I I go back to even though. I mean, it's 35 years ago, but I go back to that. I hate to rush you guys. We are running out of time. We have to take a break. But uh, uh, thanks, Diane, again. Best place we can connect with you. Where where can we go? (laughs) Thank you so much. You you can purchase your old books, too, right? Out on Amazon, right? My old books are online, Amazon. And then your website, and then always connect with you on Facebook and fan page and all that stuff. Awesome. Please friend me, Facebook me, everybody, Twitter, whatever. Find me. All right. Well, thanks. And I think I sent one on Facebook. So, yes, All right. we will. All right. Take care, Good. guys. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you so All much. All right. All right. You're listening to Neil Hitley's show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Total Media Network's Dr. Christopher Hall show. And I'm excited to welcome the program, Dr. Christopher Hall. Dr. Hall, how are you? I keep, you know, talking about thank you for your service. We're trying to hit you up on a week before you're kind of off as next week you head back. And, uh, each day, new developments, isn't it? Especially with certain states opening up and different things. You're like, okay, what's happening here? And you're on that front lines, and hopefully you don't get over flooded with everything opened up. Wow. You know, you're totally right there, Neil. I mean, and now I'm up here in Northwest Mississippi, and of course, you know, I'm working in Alabama, so I'm at actually two different hospitals. So, uh, you know, we're starting to see that wave that was hitting the, the East Coast, starting to hit the South now. And uh, so things are getting a little bit more difficult, but um, we're always, uh, you know, uh, getting our support from God and, and, and staying very hopeful and working hard. So thanks for asking about that. All right. Go ahead and introduce our guest. Well, no problem. Well, you know, I'm very excited uh, to have our guest today who I think is a very inspirational figure, um, an individual who is a uh, actor who played uh, HBO series Ballers. Uh, as a comedian and a very motivational figure, um, I'd like to welcome to the show, Mr. London Brown. Welcome hey, to the show, man. London. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Hey, London. Hey, thank you, man. Thank you for your service. Absolutely. It's amazing. It's, he's one of those guys. He's a tremendous hero. I never thought when we met and started working together, doing this show together, that we would be in this situation where we knew he was a hero as a doctor already. But to be on the front lines, London, wouldn't you agree? Wow, you know, with what's happening. Absolutely, man. It's a bit of sacrifice for sure. And how are you holding up during the hey, well, pandemic? You how are you holding up with the pandemic, London? You know, man, um, honestly, I'm, I'm laying low. I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, again, follow the play by the rules and, and, and do my part and, 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 you know, keep myself masked up and, and different things like that. So I'm, I'm laying low, but I'm okay. Oh, that's good. That's good. And, and, and again, L.A., I heard that L.A. starting to open up, so that's surprising. But go ahead, uh, Dr. Hall, with your first question. Oh, well, no problem. No problem at all. Uh, well, you know, London, you know, this show, we, we, we try to uh, uh, raise the, um, the the level of people, and, we, and it's kind of an inspirational uh, show. And uh, and so kind of, uh, I want to start by just asking you a little bit, like, uh, maybe where you're from and um, – Tell us a little about the community that you grew up in. Uh, I'm from South Central LA, and I'm from South Central LA, and uh, born and raised. And uh, in LA, it's just you know, it can be really you know gang infested and so forth. But I just try to make sure I always stay focused and they get caught up 
and the nonsense and things like that. And um, I was involved in the arts. I mean, that was my life. My life was the arts. And the arts saved me, you know, because L.A. is LA is crazy, man, where I grew up, you know. So the arts were able to really just keep me, allow me to stay focused. And then also it allowed me, it, it's, I was able to do a lot of mentoring, which I still do with young people. So that's kind of my, my that's one big advocate for the arts, because the arts really helped to give me a focus. Yeah. Wow. Well, see, and that's, that's the interesting thing when you talked about growing up in that environment. Uh, again, those challenges and, and understanding specifically what was happening and how did you feel as a child growing up in that time? What was your you thoughts? Know, yeah. I, I grew up man, in the, basically in the, uh, in the late eighties and nineties, that's where the, the whole game, LA, you know, was the game capital. You know, as far as that sort of thing. And so growing up amongst that, it was important to definitely, you had to figure out, you had to find your way. Because there wasn't, any, there wasn't a lot of options. It was either, in, if you do the game life, that's going to enter jail or dead, something like that. And after that, it's just like trying to figure out what route you're going to, what your profession is going to be. I mean, at the time, it was just doctor, teacher, lawyer. Uh, yeah, fireman, some of the bases. And so my whole idea was when, as I started teaching and doing a lot of mentoring, I wanted young people to know that there are other, there are other options outside of those those basic five. That that's all I heard growing up was like the like I said, the doctor, lawyer, teacher, fireman, policeman. But I wish somebody would have told me, hey, uh, hey man, you could be a DJ. You can be you can be a radio host. You can be a photographer. Uh, those 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 cartoons you like to watch. You can be an animator for those. But I wasn't exposed to that. So now it's important for me to go back to these same areas I grew up in and to let them know, hey, there are some other options. But you got to get focused now because that's what it took for me to make it. And that's why, I mean, I didn't I didn't like I said I didn't grow up in anything. No special school. No special art schools, but it's important for me to let young people know that, hey, if I can survive growing up in this environment and, 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 and work with people like Dwayne Johnson and be on HBO and all these other programs, that it's also possible possible for them as well if they apply themselves and stay focused. So, it, I mean, L.A. is just, L.A. is it's still rough. You know, it's still rough. So, it's, I'm just grateful that you be to have made it because statistically, statistically, we were, I'm not, I shouldn't have made, I shouldn't have lived past 25. So just to, just to be an adult and, and survive it, I'm grateful for that, man. Wow. This, yeah, Incredible. Sure. All right. Next question, Dr. All. Oh, yeah. No, no problem at all. And, and, and you know what, London, I, I've been told. Uh, testify to what you're saying. Uh, having grown up in in Watts, California, and actually having graduated from uh, Manuarts High School right there off of Vermont in 1984, um, I, I think that wow. Uh, anyway, this is an incredible vision. Um, uh, so, London, tell us uh, a little bit about um, some of the some of the uh, I guess important people in your life who were your maybe role models who. Uh, you kind of motivated you. Tell me about that. You know, uh, for me, 
my my core, uh, I guess, inspiration, motivation is I just want to make sure that uh, I did something with myself, man. Because I've seen a lot of people who who did not, and I've seen a, I've been in the middle of shootouts, and I've I've known lots of people who went to jail who did drugs because growing up. I used to, uh, my mother used to take, used to allow people to stay with us. And, as, you know, she would help people out and allow people to stay with us. But also, growing up, uh, I was, I used to cut hair for, for rehab centers. So, I, early on, my friends were ex-convicts, ex-drug addicts, heroin addicts, prostitutes, and so forth. You name it. Those were, you know, like uncles and aunts. Growing up, very early on, from like the age of like seven, so I was always used to dealing with, if you if you will, street people. So, as far as my motivation, when I would see people who had who had lived those kind of lives, that lifestyle, I definitely didn't want that for me. So it was important for me to make sure that I always did things that were very progressive, along with my mother just keeping me, you know, involved. She prayed for me early on, and just that I would stay involved and active. And productive things. Um, so when it comes to like inspiration, things like that, I remember always paying attention to you know uh, just the different different actors or different people who are doing the things they want to do. I remember watching Chris Tucker when he went from doing stand up, transitioning into film. Uh, I would watch the the, the uh, Will Smith, but then I watched the I watched the uh, I watched Diddy go from an intern. Uh, at, at the record company, then to owning the, the record company, his own label, and then the brands. So there's just different people along the way where I was able to appreciate, you know, the process. Let's say of a Mike Tyson, who who grew up in, in the main streets of Brooklyn, and being able to dial in on his focus and his gifts and become a world champion. Same thing with Mayweather. People, we can say whatever we want to say about Mayweather. After all the trash talk and everything is done, we're talking about a guy who doesn't drink, who doesn't smoke, and he's the world champion. At the end of the day, that's undisputed. We look at Michael Jordan as well, yeah. someone who got who got cut in basketball and they came back to be the legend that he is, Kobe Bryant and so forth. So for me, I always try to, I might have sit so much in all the victories, but I'm interested in how... I'm interested in the journey of these athletes and these these artists and how they got there. And I use that even to this day in my regular life. I, you know, I'll pull up, uh, I'll watch a, a, a biopic of someone just to keep myself inspired and focused, man, so that I know they're like, hey, it, it, it doesn't happen overnight. People don't know that I'm, I'm going through several auditions and God heard no. You know what I mean? And then, but but when there's a yes, then it's a yes. So those things are kind of what I use to help drive. Wow. This is, that's so powerful, Dr. Hall, because again, it's showing specifically enough that he knows how important role models and people that are doing the right thing and to follow that lead. And that's stories with both of you, uh, London and yourself, Dr. Hall, but Dr. Hall, you dealt with a different situation where a ward of the state where you had to finally meet the right people, make the right decisions, Dr. Hall, to turn yourself around. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you're totally right. And, you know, in the view that, that, that London, what he's describing is what he's seeing out there as he grows up and his aspirations as, as to what he wants to be uh, when, when he was growing up. And then he, he lays out these specific role models and says, hey, uh, these are the guys that, um, you know, went the same way I did. And then he's saying that there are different avenues to success, particularly the arts, the creative arts, which he's saying comedy. Um, so there's more than just, uh, you know, having to go through, uh, say, schooling, which you have to go to high school, but I'm saying you've got creative skills, whether even it's in business, entertainment, that you can start uh, flop, start start expressing uh, right. when you're young. So this is a, a wonderful motivational uh, message for our young people. Absolutely, man. I mean, I just, it's, it's, to think about it, again, it's like, people, it, it's, a, it's a lot of discipline. People have to decide how bad do they want what they say they want. And that's why, like, during this whole, like, pandemic, I have a lot, not, not a lot, but I have a few friends that are saying, you know, they're using terms like, man, I'm bored. I'm, I, I don't know what to do. I haven't used the word bored. I can't, maybe it's just middle school or something like I want I, I want more of my friends to use this time to find the thing that they're supposed to do, whatever the gift is, whatever the passion is, whatever makes them happy. Like this is a good time to start to, to explore and to tap into that and use this time to be productive. And and, and because again, we don't none of us want to be in this situation. We wish that things would kind of would be in the, in the better place, and we're hoping that it's, and it's pushing towards that. But in the meantime, the reality is. For most of us, besides those, those workers that are putting themselves on the line, a great deal of us were at home. We gotta, we gotta really not waste this time and come out of this quarantine. We could be a little, we could be a little, we could pick up more books. We can work out more. We can, we can use this time to figure out ways to, to be inspired within ourselves. Uh, like I, I don't, we don't have time to waste. That's my whole thing with when I talk to young people is that when you use terms like bored, you're not pushing yourself enough. You're not challenging yourself enough to, to, to go after. Because people who are pursuing their dreams, like you wake up with a different, you wake up with a different energy. Like the only reason I sleep is so that I can get up and have the energy to do it all over again. I can't wait. I, I, I can't wait to get up and to go after this dream, go after the thing as a, as a stand-up. You know, I'm always looking to try to write materials, and and, and and as an actor, I'm looking, I'm, I'm studying all the time, I'm reading, I'm, I'm, I'm watching old scripts, I'm reading old scripts, and I think that people got to know how to really occupy their time, because whether it's something big or small, we can, we should be doing something every day that puts us closer to where we want to be. No, like, absolutely. Like, I, and agree, I agree. And the thing is, when we started this pandemic, I, you know, I was really working on certain things, but now I've made it a, 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 an effort to become better at things that I might outsource for my business later on and see if I can learn it too. Because guess what? I will outsource it once things start to pick up and change again. But I want to become as good or even better than the people right. that I have put out and have hired to do things just because I have more time to do it and I'm going to learn it because if you can learn it, you could teach someone else to do it. And I take different go. trainings and different learning experiences and say, man, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to learn graphic design. Now I'm going to use Canva 
And, you know, I've done some little things, but I'm tired of this. I'm going to figure it out. So then when I hire the right person to be that position at one point in time, I'll say, hey, you know, here's some little secrets. You have some good talent, but I'd like you to go this direction. Let me go and put this design together. Now you make it perfect instead of, hey, you make this. And guess what? It takes five times more times to do it. So the more we learn how to do other things, uh, the better our situation. And this is the time. It could be a year. It could be six months. It could be two months. We could be back to work. We were just watching NFL in September, and we'll be like, what the heck happened? Or we'll be watching NFL in January So and, and without an, without fans. So we ha- with this uncertainty, Dr. Hall, wouldn't you agree? With this uncertainty, we need to pull together and learn and develop and become better at the things that we do on a regular basis. Mm. Totally agree. I totally agree. And, um, again, it's also a time for creativity. You know, I, I, lo- I love it. That's, that's, that's the thing. I'm yeah, trying. exactly. Because I do things, um, you know, more online and, and, and things through zoom and those kind of things. And so, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's just incredible. The, the, the spirit and the humanity that, uh, London, uh, is obviously expressing is talking about, this is actually what I write about in the book, uh, called war to the court. And, um, so it's very exciting to get him on the show. Um, anyway, I wanted to move just a little bit, talk a little about his, uh, what he's doing in entertainment. And actually on the phone right now, I kind of feel like, uh, maybe a guy left out of a club because I know that, uh, he works, uh, opposite, uh, the rock, the, uh, uh, Dwayne rock Johnson. And I know that you knew, uh, yeah, he remembers. Uh, I, he, yeah, he wore my knee pads, uh, and now that uh, you've interacted with. So, now the Rock uh, and I are hopefully that. are going to get that interview again because I'm promoting for NBC his new show. I've had some of the guests on from that already, some of the commentators, and now uh, I had a, an Olympian on. So I, I agree, but let my interactions with the Rock were certain ones, but. Again, London's story is quite interesting, and I'm just bringing that up uh, because I heard it already. Uh, but tell, tell um, again, tell a little bit to Dr. Hall your interactions with The Rock. You know, Dwayne, you know, Dwayne's a really, first of all, I think that it's really, it's really cool that he's not a guy with, with some sort of ego. Like, people always ask about how, how was the vibes on set. And they were really cool. It was always good energy. First of all, everybody was very professional. Everyone came, always came very prepared. But where I'm going with this is that Dwayne, being that he was an executive producer of the show as well as the star of the show, he could have easily come in with an ego. And we, no one, I don't think, would have even felt any type of way because he said he is the number one paid superstar actor in the world. So we, we would have just respected that. But showing up on set every day and him just being a cool, humble guy and just all this good energy. It created a whole temperament on set where everybody was cool. Everyone from the actors all the way down to the people who did craft services uh, to, to the people who were just showing us where to park, to the people who held cords. Everybody had good energy and that's something that I was able to appreciate from him uh, I was also able to develop a couple other disciplines of like, I noticed one time we were filming, we had to be on set at around 6 a.m. And I happened to wake up to go to the bathroom, get some water or something. 
and I noticed that he was in the gym around like four or something. I said, wow, he's, he's in the gym before we get to set. And I started to do that as my own discipline uh, just to create a focus within myself so that when I'm on set, I'm already I'm, I'm wide awake. I'm ready to work because I started my day off with with such a uh, with such a discipline as working out. So I was able to pick up a couple a couple of habits like that and uh, and that sort of thing. So Dwayne's you know I have nothing to say nothing negative to say about Dwayne man. I always get vibe and I'm, I'm glad I had a chance to work with him. All right. right. Next question, Dr. Hall, but I had to bring up that uh, story. And again, <laughs> someday, someday again, I will meet the rock at one point in time. It's amazing what he's done. And to know that you, I was that close. Another story. If you look at two WWE superstars, but also that were not when you met them, you know, you met him as an independent pro wrestler at Memphis, Tennessee. I did. And I met Randy Orton when he was 17, when I was wrestling cowboy, Bob Orton and look at Randy today. So again, two people I've crossed paths with, that are great in so many different ways. Randy is just a tremendous WWE athlete and the rock is just everything and between and know that I worked with him. Wow. I never got the chance to wrestle him, but I did work with him, but go ahead, uh, Dr. Hall. Next question. Wow. That's incredible. Uh, yeah, no problem at all. No problem at all. Well, uh, well, you know, um, uh, what I was going to say was, uh, what I was going to ask London was, you know, my, my situation coming from inner city, uh, coming from, you know, grew up in Watts, uh, you know, grew up in boys' homes, foster homes and junior hall, uh, and, you know, trying to make it in this world. Sometimes you get to a point where you just, you know, you don't have anything. You have no money, and you're thinking, man, I'm putting all this effort in, and for what? Uh, right. That's a challenge. Um, have you ever had any particular challenges like that in London that you could share with, with people today who are actually kind of down in, in this time where we're losing jobs and we have this, this kind of steadily disease going across country. Uh, as far as some of my struggles, I think that, well, I can say this. I remember even before I landed on Ballers, that was like, man, that was one of my brokest years, man. And I remember at one point in my town, I had $28. And I was like, man, this is just rough at the time. I was working in absolute programs. Wasn't really making hardly any money, but I just, I I still enjoy just working with young people and hopefully being an inspiration to them. So it wasn't even about the money. I, all Everything I owned was in my mother's garage. Uh, I didn't even, I was, just, I was just on the grind. It was just a serious grind. And the encouraging thing that I want people to get from this is that when I booked ballers, I wasn't. I had no agent, I had no representation, no publicist, I had nothing at all, no none of that. So when I found out, word got back to me that they were looking for me, I went into audition and then after that things changed. But the point being is that he, even even though that was, let's just say that was part of the paper, I was, I'm, I'm now living in Miami on the number one show, working with the number one actor, I'm getting paid. Everything is good. The following year, my, I had a younger brother who was in college who uh, came back to L.A. and uh, he's going to he's He had tryouts for one of the Laker teams here in L.A. Window? That window? Yeah. Uh-huh, window. And he was in he was in Washington. He went to some sort of gathering or something. Uh, long story short, 
he was murdered while while at this event. So now I'm I'm doing I'm working I'm I have the I'm in the best part, best time of my life, which is I'm doing the thing that I've been manifesting and I've been working toward, which is I'm I'm now I'm a working actor on a hit show. But on the very flip side of that coin, I lost I, I lose my brother. So having to press through those kinds of things, I have to make sure that I'm very grounded to something a lot more solid, because otherwise I could have easily taken that loss of my brother and spiraled into a negative direction. But instead what I decided to do was to use that, going back to your, your previous question, as far as my motivation and inspiration, I decided to use that passing of my brother it, it, it drove me into a deeper focus. So I said, man, whatever it is I'm going to do, I want to make sure that every, that I make everything count for something. I'm not just going to, you know, I'm not going to just, even things like something as simple as me cooking. Like on my Instagram, my friends would say, wow, man, you really, when you cook your food, you present it, you do it like a chef. And that's not because I'm trying to be fancy, but I've decided consciously to make sure that everything I do I try to make it count for something. So when I when I cook, I want it to taste good. I want it to look good. When I I'm, I'm not only going to work out it's, it's halfway. I'm going to put the discipline. Going to get up. And so it that just that drove me to uh, just to be really good and, and be really focused at just about everything I do. And so if people take negative situations and they're able to to turn them around and use it for the positive the negatives can actually be used as a strength. And that's what I was able to do with the, the hardships that I went through. Uh, you know, just using them to really say, hey, I'm, I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be negative. I'm gonna change my whole right. way of thinking. I'm gonna be more positive. I'm gonna encourage others. And I realized that by encouraging others, you know, it, it keeps me encouraged. But also when I do things like, for example, just to make sure that I always keep myself grounded. One way to always keep your heart in check is if you give. So I'm always trying to give, 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 give. Whether that means feeding the homeless people, uh, giving my time to, to juvenile halls, we gotta give to make sure we, we never exactly. get selfish and think that's about us. It's never about us. That that's not my way of thinking. All right, can all right. So latest right. projects, London. Latest projects. Tell us about them. Okay. Uh, one of the latest is I have a, a show that's coming out called uh, American Soul. American Soul is uh, basically the, 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 the it's like the, the following of Don Cornelius, who was the host of uh, Soul Trains, and it just kind of goes through uh, his lifestyle of the you know the, the, the I think late seventies, early eighties, and that sort of thing. And on this show comes out May twenty seventh, and I play the legendary Boosie Collins. Uh, so I'll be playing guitar totally different from ball and totally different from anything else people are seeing. So that's that's going to be a, that should be a, 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 an experience for people. It's a nice throwback. And like I said, I got the beard, I got the wig, the whole thing. So it's going to be a, that, that's one of the latest. And that, But I am on another series, um, that which I might say for hopefully our next interview. But uh, yeah, I am working on another series. At the time, so so we come out of quarantine. Uh, hopefully, God willing, I'll, I'll return back to that series, uh, filming that series. But as of right now, 
American Soul is May 27th. What May? It's coming out May 27th on what? American Soul. Um, on BET. BET. Awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. Everyone awesome. needs to check that out for sure. Uh, London <laughs> continues to uh, bring out some amazing stuff. Dr. Hall, summarize London. Oh, sure. No problem. So there we have it. We've got a humble servant who worked his way up uh, by his bootstraps from the uh, tough streets of uh, South Central Los Angeles. His experience tells us that uh, we can use our, our, our pain and we can use uh, challenges in life to make us stronger, help us fly higher, and to help those people who are, are most uh, uh, unfortunate in society. So, so I'm, I'm very, very honored that um, uh, Mr. London Brown came on the show today. Thanks a lot, London. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you guys, man. Hey, London, appreciate it. Uh, best place to follow you. Where can we go? Instagram, is that London your place? Yeah. Yeah, you guys go to Instagram at Real London Brown, at Real London Brown. And I'm always, you know, always doing some fun over there. But uh, thank you guys for your time. And thank you, Doctor, for your services, man. We appreciate you, man. Thank you, man. All right. Yes, sir. Awesome. Thanks again. Appreciate it, guys. Okay. Thanks, All right, okay. Bye bye. All right. That was Dr. Christopher Hall Show, everybody.